What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future free state of greater Idaho. I am the one-armed madman, and Nolan is not going to be with us tonight, but based on our conversation a few weeks ago about the new Predator movie, Prey, I thought we'd bring in the expert, Governor Jesse Ventura. Nick, great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's nice when people want to hear my opinion on things about the Predator. I know about the Predator. I hunted him in the woods with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Excuse me, I was in the jungle, not the woods. I took a lot of chairs to the head. Sometimes I get them confused. But we hunted Predator, and I almost beat him. He got the better of me, and then Arnold got him. But of course, like everything in Hollywood, they made sequel after sequel, and the Predator kept gaming back because he had trans relatives and other planets that came back to avenge his death. And the new movie, Prey, was great. I give it an 8 out of 10. A little bit of wokeness, but that's fine. That I, was I, our... I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. That was our, our thought, is how are they going to go more progressive than this predator, and they're going to have to do predator. They need a female predator. They've got to bring Arnold back. He's got to get his ass kicked by a female predator. So would you be interested in watching uh, a Predator? I would totally be down with Predator as long as they cast Caitlyn Jenner to play Predator. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to get me to go to that theater. Caitlyn's an amazing woman, a talented athlete, great at smack talk. And I think she'd look great in that suit. She's got incredible legs. And I think she'd give old Arnold a run for his money. <laughs> Oh, good. So, who would you rather have on your team, Miss Moon Thunder or Rain Thunder or or Arnold? Oh, I'll tell you. At, at this point, they're probably equally matched. Arnold ain't moving so well as he used to. He just turned seventy-five, and he's had a lot of uh, surgeries and, and problems with his body because he's gone hard. If anyone knows about bodies, it's Jesse the Body Ventura. So I like, I like that new girl. I would put my money on her. She's tough, she's agile, and she's strong, and she ain't afraid of nobody. So your, your co-host in, in the Predator movie, Billy, he seemed to have some sort of connection with the Predator. He kept grabbing onto the bag around his neck. He seemed to be the first one to really realize it. Do you think he was related to the girl in Prey? There could, there could be relations there. I can't confirm or deny that, but I think that's an interesting theory, and I think there could be something to it. We'll have to see how it plays out, Nick. Excellent. And the last thing, we've got She-Hulk, Lady Thunder, Black Panthers turning into a, into a, a female now, Madam Web. Can they even continue a Predator series without a female Predator? It seems like it has to happen. I, th- I, I think you're right. I think at this point, I think it'd be great if the next movie was maybe a female predator or a female trans, non-cis, non-binary, non-conforming <laughs> predator. And they cut her, they cut, they, they fill right, they empty out Rikers of all the petty criminals and fill it with everybody involved in Jeffrey Epstein's child trafficking ring, including Ghislaine Maxwell. Keep Harvey Weinstein out there. And then they hunt all the 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 the, the, the uh, female predators hunt all the pedophiles. I think that'd be great. I'd pay money for it. I'd refer. I'd call that. Actually, I'm <laughs> calling you out right now, Vince McMahon. I got a great idea for a new special. It's Predator versus Pedophile at Rikers Island, hosted by Jesse the Body Ventura. 
Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Eric Jackman of Jackman Radio. Mr. Jackman, how are you doing today? Very, very well. Thank you, uh, Nick, for having me on and inviting me. Um, and as always, I bring my friends with me when I do podcasts. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And it's, uh, it's going well, man. We're navigating clown world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with the with the new Prey movie. I don't watch um, trailers. Like when I hear that a new movie's coming out, it's like a new Predator movie's going to come out. I'm going to watch it, so I don't want to get spoiled by some stupid trailer. So I was really impressed. But my thought was, is they didn't go woke enough with it. They should have had him speak in Cherokee. <laughs> yeah no i i have i was uh my brother watched it before me but i was pleasantly surprised he told me it was really good and i take his uh movie reviews very seriously because he's a he's a uh, aficionado with movies and um you know obviously the original predator and even the, the sequel the predator is underrated with danny glover yeah um and bill, and bill paxton um i think those are those are great movies but yeah prey prey was awesome it stuck to some of the old formula um but i, I think what was good about it it didn't I mean, it straddled the line. 2022, you have to yeah. kind of straddle that line. Um, but I think I think they did a good job with it. And yeah. uh, I liked how they tied in the, whoever those those French guys at the end that they yeah. ran into. They had to have white people destroying everything like that. That was a that was I thought that was hilarious when they started speaking French. I was like, are they going to do a language swap and have them start speaking Cherokee now and do subtitles and then have them speak English? But I mean, the the natives speaking English and the white people speaking French is really funny in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think they had originally recorded or dubbed a version in the um native language oh really but they felt that it wasn't wasn't gonna jive or audiences might not like it so there might be a version out there where you can get that but maybe yeah i mean overall man i was entertained for 90 minutes however 80 minutes however long it was and uh i enjoyed it and i would uh, i would definitely see another installment in that series if they're going down that path yeah i thought that they could have done like a uh, did you see uh, apocalypta or Apocalypto by Mel Gibson. Yeah. I thought no, they could no, have done yeah, that type yeah. of route and done minimal sure. dialogue, hardcore mm-hmm. chase and and trapping scenes. And I think they could have done some. I think they underestimate the public in a lot of ways. I think it, it's a lot of, of like, uh, oh, these right-wing rubes, they're not going to go and watch a, a movie when they're speaking Cherokee. But I think they, they underestimate people in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's a good story, and I mean, obviously anything Mel Gibson's going to get behind um, that he's directing, I mean, Apocalypto, I, I only saw it once, but from what I remember, really crazy. well done, um, you know, visually just beautiful, uh, great story, and yeah, minimal dialogue, kind of you going more on physicality, more on instinct yeah. to inform uh, the viewer and the story, so... Um, I definitely enjoy that, and uh, I, w- I will continue to go see whatever Mel Gibson puts out there. He's a he's a base lord of the nth degree. That he is. That of the he nth is. degree. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of base boards, I, I just watched your um, interview with Jesse Ventura while I was preparing oh, nice. for this a little while ago, and man, could, could we use the body over here in, in Idaho in a lot of ways. Idaho's great, but our, our governor is just a... A nightmare he he just wants to get rich in a lot of ways it's it's not terrible because we were able to fly under the radar pretty decently during covid because he wasn't looking to be president he just wants to get a nicer boathouse on Coeur d'Alene and you know hmm. have nicer dinners he opened up a um his wife is on the board of some corporation 
and they opened up a Ukrainian refugee welcome center a couple blocks from my house. And first off, I'm going, what the hell? They're going to move these people from a war-torn country into my neighborhood. They don't speak the language. They're Who knows what they're going to be doing to survive? And right away, there was just never any cars there. They've had a couple big parties. So I looked into, like, what's going on with this thing? Found that she was on the board. And it's like, oh, this is just a, a pay-for-access so, thing. So- self-handing yeah, yeah. Handing it. you so, want a meeting that, with uh, the governor go donate to the ukrainian <laughs> refugee center and is you'll get brad, a meeting brad little brad little yeah brad there's little, a whole okay. website called like brad little is a disgrace <gasps> it's just pages long of all the terrible things he did during covid we had mothers getting arrested on playgrounds here really oh yeah Idaho? so it was it was pretty I mean, how was it? I mean, were you there the whole time for it? I was in New Hampshire, so. Yeah. Um, I moved here seven years ago after I, I lost the hand in a, in a line working accident. So I got here early. Like, I was priced out of California. I was a bartender yeah. in San Francisco, and I was doing very well. I worked at a, a big sports bar on Pier 39. We took in millions of dollars a year. And I did well, wow. but it was mm-hmm. a short-term type of job. I couldn't operate like oh. that forever. Burn, so I burned the fuck out bartending, man. That's yeah. that's a real grind. It is. And you got out of San Francisco in time. You avoided the monkeypox, so that's I, good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my dog could be getting monkeypox right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you were bartending, and how long did you do that for? Oh, on and off, ten years in different okay. parts of the country. I bartended in in Maui for a year or so, and then nice. San Francisco and Southern California for a while. But um, when I I got out of bartending, I got into line work, and I ended up getting hurt on a low line worker salary. So I got priced out of California as soon as I got hurt. There was just no way to live there. So I got lucky and bought a house here in Idaho seven years ago before real estate went completely out of control. Sure. So you own your own compound out there. Yeah, it's not a huge compound, but it's a compound, you know. Hey, it's, it's yours, man, and you own it. How are taxes, property taxes in Idaho? They're trying to hike them up as much as they can. It's Idaho's an interesting place because we have a hefty mix of, like, conservative or, or um, you know, farming areas and, mm-hmm. and big cattle ranches and beautiful places but then we've got the city center in boise and they direct a lot of our politics in a lot of ways they're not as big a driving force in idaho as like portland is in oregon but they're taking us further and further in a progressive direction so their goal essentially is to price people like us out and move people from california in at a higher price and they're doing it like our our real estate has went up so much that they're able to jack up the price of uh, property taxes pretty well. What's real estate like there in, in New Hampshire? Were you able to get in before everything went crazy? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been here since I was a kid uh, in fourth grade, and I'm a renter. I don't own a house. Um, I My dad still owned the house that I grew up with, grew up in from 97 till 2017, unfortunately, when he passed away. So uh, when he was, uh, he, he was sick with cancer, he died of brain cancer. It was a quick five-month process so kind of in the, the process of that we actually we had to sell the house oh. so yeah it was it sucks but um so i rent I, I rent with my brother we're roommates and um the it's insane here dude you can't find anything and property taxes have always been a little higher here in new hampshire because we don't have the income tax we don't have the sales tax so that is kind of used to you know for for revenue to balance that out and um you know, even though there was a minute, I've been at this 
where I live, I've been here for five years and it's beautiful. I'm right in, in a downtown area. I can walk to restaurants and bars. I got a nice brewery across the street where I hang out. Um, but even for a minute when we were kind of interested in maybe looking at other places, there, there is just nothing available. Like second something goes up for rent or for sale, it's snatched right up. And there's like scores of people going to showings. You know, I have friends who are realtors and it's, it's, it's hot right now. Like if you've got property, man, you're sitting real pretty right now. Um, like a friend of mine, he bought, he bought a house 20 years ago for 110 grand. And I think right now it's worth six or 700 grand. So, you know, and he put a hundred grand of work into it. So it's, it's, it's like that everywhere. And New Hampshire is, is, is no different. It's, it's a tough market. And, I have friends who were able to get stuff and I, you know, I get people who bought before things got really hot and they've seen the value of their property increase exponentially, but it's like, okay, you sell it, you make a nice profit. Where the hell do you go? Yeah. So you're kind of, you're kind of stuck there, you know? That's the, the one thing that I miss about living in San Francisco. Well, two things, music and then restaurants. Like we have breweries and stuff here. I'm like 40 miles out or 30 miles outside of Boise. So I'm not like right down in the city center and they've got a couple good restaurants there. But overall here, we don't have any standards. It's all corporate. I mean, when you ask people where the good steakhouse is, they tell you Texas Roadhouse. And, oh, you know, it's a sad state wow. of affairs after coming from San Francisco and going to some of the best restaurants in the world. And, you know, you, you oh, want to go have a good steak in San Francisco. You can go to a diner and grab a decent T-bone at four o'clock in the morning. Here, you've got to really dig around. I had a steak at a, at a nice restaurant the other night. And uh, they had two steaks on the menu. And both of them were covered in either blue cheese or some house creamy butter and i go oh well this steak's gonna suck if <laughs> you gotta dump all yeah. this crap on it yeah. i know it's not gonna be a good steak <laughs> it's not gonna stand on its own sizzling merit and on its own flavor and quality of the meat yeah um yeah no i mean we're still lucky here where i am there's i mean i, I live about an hour and a half from boston so we got the oh. north end for all the italian food that you want and then um there's plenty of great steakhouses but yeah uh, breweries are all the rage here in new england and, uh, you know, I literally live right next to one. It's where I have my birthday party every year. And um, it's nice. It's nice old school kind of New England neighborhood kind of feel. So have you spent any time here in New England? I haven't. I The furthest east that I've been is um, I spent time at the Mayo Clinic when I when I had some, some work done on the on the arm that's where i have my prosthetics and everything built the mayo clinic is an incredible place actually it's i I call it yeah it's in minnesota that's that's the governor's territory minnesota my my neck i was 38th governor nick in case you didn't know cool so you so minnesota is the farthest uh east so where where were you born where are you from originally Uh, i'm from northern california originally i was 100 miles north of san francisco and uh, I grew up uh, racing motorcycles, essentially. And this is something I, I wanted to talk with you about. Um, I know you're active in the Free State Project, and you're going to be active. Hopefully, if Dave Smith runs, you'll you'll be on board with him. Oh, 100%. I mean, right now, uh, barring my friend Tulsi Gabbard running, she's, you know, I worked in her campaign um, in 2020 and, you know, became very good friends with her. But outside of her running, I, I can't, I couldn't see myself supporting anyone but Dave Smith. How awesome. Yeah. Was that that she hosted Tucker the other night? Oh, it was it was fucking base, dude. Oh. And it was it was it was on brand for her. She does not give a fuck what no. the haters think and what they say about her. And she's gonna do what she's gonna do. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about her. Um. So I mean, with the Free State Project, I would say I'm not part of it. I'm not officially no. a member. I mean, I've been here in New Hampshire since '97, so I'm okay. a local guy. 
but I'm, I would say to some of their ideas I'm open to and I like. like gotcha. I consider myself an independent with strong libertarian leanings. Um, I do still have some, I guess you could call them like uh, liberal or progressive um, uh, points of view or, or, or views. Like I'm, I would love to see Medicare for all in our oh, country. Okay. I mean, I, I know that's like a probably a lot of libertarians hear that or anarchists hear that and say, oh, you statist bastard, you know. But I think if we made it a priority, I mean, look, we're able to kill and murder people all over the world. That takes yeah. a lot of money and a lot of effort and energy. So I want to shut that shit down, and I want to point it towards things like helping people who, who need health care and, and, you know, infrastructure in our country. There's so many different things we could do with it. But yeah. um, So I'm definitely in line with a lot of free, street, free state project ideas. I'm friends with a lot of those people. I mean, certainly I'm sure you probably found me with Four Horsemen. With Reed I, did. I did. I did, yeah. Ryan That's Dawson. a great Reed show. Is, Thanks, man. Reed is really big in that world. He's he's okay. really all he's all in with the free staters. I know he and, was. Uh, I, I was thinking you were for some reason, but I guess it was just I knew you were from New Hampshire or lived in New Hampshire. Yeah, I didn't realize I, yeah, that you I were spoke from at, there. So that's that's I, even I, better. I the crowd up. Yeah, yeah, I'm a native. I'm a, I mean, yeah. I, was, I don't I don't admit this too much. I was born in Massachusetts. I lived there the first ten years of my life. Uh. But we'll keep that between you and I. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I moved I moved from uh, Massachusetts to New Hampshire in fourth grade um, in 1997, and I've been here uh, ever since, with the exception of uh, one year I lived and worked in uh, Washington D.C. just after college. I landed a job down there, but. It was just like a few month contract and I didn't end up getting any other work. So I just packed my Volvo back up and moved back to New Hampshire and never looked back. And um, I don't see myself living anywhere else. But That's great. Um, I like the idea of flooding a state with like minded individuals to push back against, you know, a centralized authority in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I'm not big into guns, but I don't like any I don't want any more gun laws. Yeah. I don't want any more gun regulation. Um, you know, I personally don't own them. I'm, I'm not into them, shooting them or anything, but dude, own all the guns you want, man. The second amendment to me is, uh, is very important. And it, uh, if we don't have that, man, we don't have an armed population. I mean, you see what happens to these countries that, that get their guns taken away. You yeah, are completely look at, Australia. at the mercy. Yeah, exactly, man. You're completely at the mercy, um, of the people who have the guns and that never ends well. So yeah, a big picture items, man. I'm, I'm a civil libertarian. I'm all for legalizing drugs. I think we need to look at it as a health, a public health issue. You shouldn't be thrown in a cage if you have an addiction. You should be helped and work. There should be therapy and work towards rehab and, and, and not criminalized. Um, and obviously, like foreign policy, man, I'm Ron Paul all the way. He's, He's you know, man. people say, what's your foreign policy? I say, Ron Paul is my foreign policy. <laughs> so... Yeah, here in Idaho, the the biggest problem we've got right now is drug laws. Our drug laws are just really hardcore. I got my I tried growing a couple of plants a few years ago, and I had four plants in a small planter box in my backyard, and I got raided by a SWAT team early in the morning. What? Oh yeah, they pulled me out sure. onto the driveway. I'm holding my dog. It's like six o'clock in the morning. I rent two of the rooms out in my house. So they pulled my tenants out. Well, one of them, the other one wasn't here. And I think that was by design, but 
Anyways, they they Ugh. threw the book at me, man. They thought I was a drug dealer. They're going through my safe looking for all. We need receipts and ledgers and bags. I'm like, man, does it look like I can use baggies? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need that weed man to help with the pain from yeah. my fucking arm. Come on, you assholes. I'm yeah. going to slap them with the, with the fake arm. But they Jesus, threw. Dude, that, that's, that's scary. They hit me with cultivation and trafficking and intent to distribute. All these crazy this? things. This was two years ago. So marijuana in Idaho is just, there's no medical, there's no recreational, it's completely illegal. Extremely illegal. illegal. One plant here will get you a year minimum in prison. Shit, man. So they raided you and you said you just had four plants? Like how much did you have? Did you have like bags of weed or? I had like a gram and a half of personal weed on me that I got from the weed store in Oregon that's 50 miles away (laughs) from here. Right, right. And then the four plants you were trying to grow some bud. Yeah. So save myself some money. They arrested you, man. That must have cost you a lot of money. Cost me a lot lot of money. Luckily, it was during COVID, so they didn't take me to jail. They were like, we're going to leave you here and we'll be back for you. We're going to be compassionate with you. Yeah. You big bad criminal with your plants. Yeah. Those motherfuckers, man. Yeah. I ended up getting a lawyer. I ended up getting a lawyer, an expensive lawyer that had just won a big case here in in mm-hmm. idaho some guys had a bunch of weed with them they were driving through and the cops grabbed it they i don't know how they got pulled over it could have just been by chance someone might have turned them in but the cops took it took them to jail and then they destroyed the weed without testing it so the lawyer comes back and he's like oh that was cb that was you know no, no thc mm, and that that was for cbd nice. and they got off so that lawyer wow was swinging a big dick around here and <laughs> he, he, he uh he's got he worked for his law degree he's got yeah his, yeah he's a better call Saul of Idaho yeah so he <laughs> made a couple calls to the DA and you know laid out what was going to happen and how I I had my mom works for the Idaho Supreme Court so she was going to oh, have okay. a letter on the governor's desk the day that they came for me and it was going to be, you know, on his desk by someone who was going to tell him to read it. And we essentially just kind of shook down the DA and was like, hey, man, this is going to go real bad for you. Like, we're going to get press. People around here are not into this shit. Like, these are old. Mm. We, we've had a couple of groups that have tried to get medical on the ballot a couple times. They came close, like, eight years ago. And then the last run was during COVID, so they couldn't get the half a million signatures they needed to get it on the ballot. So it's, it, this is like one of my goals with this podcast, hopefully, is to try and like get at least medical marijuana legalized in this state. Like, I think that's a good start. Yeah, that's, I didn't realize Idaho was so draconian um, in those laws. I mean, it's crazy because here in New England, New Hampshire is a bit of a desert because uh, medical is legal here in New Hampshire, but recreational is not. So our governor, it's one of the things I don't like about, one of the things I don't agree with our governor on is he's, I think he's pretty good in bed with the police unions and they want to keep that shit illegal recreationally. So they've had bills go through and he has not signed them. You know, he said, I will veto them. So medical is legal. Um, but Massachusetts, totally legal. I mean, you could talk yeah. right up there, man. There's a dispensary just over the border in Mass. Yeah. I have a lot of friends. That's how it is um, here, too. Go and, yeah, go and buy it, no problems. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's moving in that direction here in New Hampshire. It's just only a matter of time before we get a governor in there who will, who will do the right thing and, and sign it. 
and go with it. But as far as like public support, I mean, across the board, man, it's just yeah. the fact that we're even having this conversation, dude, in 2022 wild, right? Is, is wild, man. And it is, it sucks. So it's definitely moving in the right, right direction. And the other States, uh, I think they're all at minimum, uh, medical. And I'm, I, I can't remember if Maine and Vermont are also recreational. I would assume they are, um, I'd have to double check that, but you know, that's live free or die state, and that's the one thing that we don't have uh, legal yet. But otherwise, man, we're a pretty free state when you compare it to how a lot of other states were, especially with the flu world order starting in 2020, man. I mean, you looked at, yeah. like, California and New York and some of those places where they went full-on fucking clown world. Yeah. Um, I have to give my governor props, man. He, he, he straddled the line pretty good, yeah. man. He it, straddled the line pretty good. For us, it was the people that that were pushing the agenda like we don't listen to our governor here at all it's kind of like catholics and the pope like you know they'll go oh he said what okay yeah whatever and we're just gonna keep doing our our thing you know so like around here where i live nobody i I guess like in height insanity covid you would see maybe like 20 percent of the people at the winco were wearing a mask but it wasn't too bad. I only had to wear a mask when I went to the doctor and I always gave sure. them a hard time. They had, it was always white women and they would always stand like two or three of them right at the door and they would stand in front of the, the, um, the elevator. So only they had access to the buttons and they shake you down. Have you, have you been near anybody? Do you know anybody? And always like young in their thirties, white women to the exception. It, it was wild. I, I, I had fun shaking them down and I always gave myself an extra five minutes just to give them shit. Yeah. Just to go have, to do have fun with them. Yeah. That, that's, that's, uh, that's one of the mantras, uh, in uh, Liberty Twitter is white women must be stopped. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's something we can all unify around and, and ag- agree upon, you know, like a, like a Liz Warren voter or a Pete uh. Judge voter. You just see them with their goose jacket, you see them with their goose jacket coming for you in their, um, uh, Saab or their Prius or their Subaru. And, uh, you just know there's going to be no, you just, I'm at the point now, man. I just, if I'm with someone and they want to talk politics and they, it comes out, that's kind of where, where their thinking is at and anything counter to that, you're basically fucking Satan. Yeah. I let them have it. I just let them have it, man. Just have it. I don't, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. There's, it, it, I look at this person, I go, God, you, you're like 25, 30 years older than me. You've been here walking this earth three de- decades longer than I have. And, and you believe this shit? You still watch TV and take it seriously? And you're an actual person? You can have it. Yeah. I, you can have it. I think you know? Pete Buttigieg can be considered a white woman. By all accounts. <laughs> hey, he took the maternity leave with Chastin. Uh, that's what I'm when, saying. And yeah. he must be stopped, too. So, like, I, I grew up racing motocross and, and riding dirt bikes. I started riding dirt bikes when I was, like, four years old. And we've been at war, like, all-out war with radical environmentalism since the early 90s. So, okay, like, dirt bike riders, highly, highly red-pilled. I did some research a while back, and I found, like, in, I think it was, like, 20... 18 or 2016, uh, 8% of homes in the United States had at least one dirt bike. And from my experience, most people have more than one dirt bike. And so we're talking, you know, 30 million people in this country have got dirt bikes. Yeah, and we've been, that's... They had this, this, uh, they have this deal in, in, uh, 
sorry, my dog is chewing on a bone and I know it's just cranking the noise right now. I can't get a hold of him. Anyways, we had this in California. They had what was called the uh, CARB, California Air and Resources Board. And they've been at war with two-stroke motorcycles since the early 90s. So they they were able to set these policies that were able to um, force Japanese and European bike makers to start making four-stroke motorcycles instead of two-strokes. So this small board in California that was created to eliminate smog in the, in L.A. in the 1970s centered their fight on two-stroke motorcycles as if a couple two-strokes were making the smog in the 70s. You can't even ride a dirt bike within 100 miles of Los Angeles. So here I am in oh. Northern California, you know, 800 miles from Los Angeles, and I got some friggin' asshole ranger trying to stick a pipe or a, a stick down my the pipe of my bike to see if I've got a little screen in there to stop a little bit of oil from spewing out the back. Right. And they were fully successful. I mean, they started doing this red sticker, green sticker thing. So if you had a little a little girly bike, like a little XR or something like that, you got a green sticker, and that meant you could ride wherever, whenever. And if you had a race bike, like a, a high-powered two-stroke, they would give you a red sticker. So their their whole pitch was buy a four stroke you'll get a green sticker you don't have to worry about our bullshit but now it's the whole same the the same thing with with uh four strokes now a four stroke gets a red sticker just like a two stroke mm. so we've been on this stuff for a long time and i think there's a lot of like we could make a lot of um leeway i i guess we could take some steps with liberty by really trying to reach out to these people there's big races all over the country throughout the entire summer there was just a race in upstate new york at a famous track called unadilla raceway which is where american motocross essentially started in the 1970s and there's 35,000 people there and all of these people have been red-pilled on environmentalism since the 90s and you know if they've been at it since the 90s the other ones are are right away so these people are already open to a lot of our ideas we can you know tell them right away hey these are these are the reason these are the people that are coming after your bikes are the same people that want to go bomb china or or shake down uh, you know the new irs wants to shake us down with right. well, eighty-seven thousand. these are all the same people sounds like a lower level of uh, esg you know trying trying to regulate and, and just overly control um you know a whole segment of, of society and, and a hobby and an activity you know oh you're you can't you can only put out so much emission of this you're going to damage the world and then pollution and you know it's it's it boggles the mind, man. Yeah, the control and, that they want to have. So yeah, that is a, that is that's a good idea to connect with these people. Yeah, some of them may not be that political, but you can be like, well, hey, man, you know, <laughs> did you did you know about this? I mean, there's a lot of a, a lot of Trump flags at these tracks right now. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. I bet they're mostly MAGA. I mean, NASCAR, that's MAGA country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Not like they're all going to be open to this stuff, but a lot of them are already looking at these things critically. I mean, a good portion of America has been, you know, forced to become political in the last eight years or so. I wasn't political at all when I when I was younger. I just hated environmentalism. I hated the cops because they shook me down my entire... I've been at war with the cops my entire life. In Northern California, I'm from where they grow all the weed in the fucking country up until the last couple of years yeah, ago. Is that the Golden Triangle, it's called? Uh, Emerald Triangle. 
Or Emerald Trend. Yeah. If it was golden, it would be down in, in Tijuana where they get the Tijuana yeah. gold. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they they we've got cops up there that were shaking people down and, and throwing my buddies in jail for, you know, since since I was a kid. And they all knew that this shit was going to be legal soon. They don't care, you know? No. So I've been at war with these cops, with these environmentalists, with all these people my entire life. So when I first got into politics, I had no idea what a libertarian was. But right away, I... I I connected. I, I think I heard Legion of Skanks on on uh, oh, Joe Rogan, okay. and I started watching Legion of gotcha. Skanks. Pretty soon, I'm into part of the problem, and it was like, oh, these are things I already believed. I just didn't know how to vocalize or didn't know. I, I, right away, is these are my people, and I think there's a good mm. portion of the people that I grew up with that I known my entire life that would feel the exact same way. They go, oh. These are my people right away. I, I mean, my people that I grew up with, three or four of them are, are into this right away because I send them a couple things. Hey, check this out. And they go, oh, yeah, this is this is the way to go, you know, and been able to shake them away from the MAGA crowd very easily because it just makes sense. And, and we're we look at, you know, motocross and racing and and we're very critical on things. And it's easy to look at this stuff and go, Oh, this makes sense. A, B, C, D, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, if you have a personality where you like just getting on a bike and being free and letting it rip. And if you like smoking weed and, and marijuana and having control of what you put in your body, Liberty is it, man. I, I, I mean, Demo Democrat, Republican, they, they don't have it. They're, oh. they're just so full of shit. And if they've wandered so far from what they, they were, I mean, they're just, they're too, arms with the same corporate Frankenstein. They're owned by the same people. And when it comes to the big picture issues, they, they're in alignment almost 100%. You have a few outliers here and there who will, you know, stick it to the establishment, like your Ron Pauls, like your Justin Amash. Uh, you know, Rand Paul is good sometimes. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is based on Russia, which I was, I was very... Uh, impressed with yeah. her take on that, you know, sending Ukraine all this money with no string. I mean, sending them all this money. Let's have a fucking conversation about that. So, yeah, some, and obviously Tulsi, you know, she was she was good while she was in there. But yeah, you get in there in the beast, man, and it just it just sucks you in and and, and sucks you up. And if you have any integrity, um, or if you want to do do right by the people, you know, you're weeded out pretty quickly, and they throw your ass out of town. Yeah. So, you I, know, libertarianism is is really all about empowering yourself. And localized power, yeah, and de decentralizing power. So, um, yeah, I, I align with, with liberty in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, I, I don't necessarily mean just libertarian in in general, but just liberty. Whether you know they're lining up yeah. with you, want to do. We're close enough. Your ideal society is going to be so much better than what we have right now that we have to work yeah. together on these types of things, even if we would disagree on the nuts and bolts of things what we have right now the status quo and uh, actually i thought this was interesting uh i was i was watching uh you and your brother on on reed i think it was like episode 90 or something like that early on and reed goes Rand paul's a cuck and these guys all start making fun. so if he goes from a cuck uh, about a year ago to He's good sometimes now. I think we're at least making progress there in that aspect. So, yeah. so that's oh, yeah, something yeah. to we, look look at as a we positive. We always joke. He's Rand is Liberty's weasel. You know, he's 
he's there. There's definitely something there, but you know, there's a reason he was allowed to play golf uh, with the King when he was president, you know, because Rand fell in line plenty of times and supported Trump. Therefore he was given access. He got to golf with him. He's, he's more of a politician than his father is. We can't expect Rand Paul to be Ron Paul. There's never going to be another Ron Paul. You know, he, he really is like a once in a generation uh, type of guy to go in there and just tell them, just fucking tell the machine, fuck you, Constitution, yeah. baby, yeah. Bill of Rights, uh, you know, Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, fuck the wars, end the Fed, end the wars, get rid of the IRS, end the drug war, end the surveillance state, get rid of the Patriot Act. Day in, day out, he did that when he was in there, man. So he he sparked a revolution um, and, and I think really woke up a sleeping giant in this country so we're really hoping and i'm seeing it i'm feeling it we're really thinking dave smith can really carry that baton i think he's got a good chance Uh, my idea was you get him at one of these races do the gentleman start your engines type of thing you set up a booth you got you know screens of him on rogan and him doing comedy and people can show up and there's thirty thousand people there that are going to be very susceptible to these ideas and we can make some real progress just by working. There has to be, this is just my niche. Motocross is my niche. There's car racing and truck racing. I mean, there's so many racers in this country that who knows how many people would be open to these types of ideas. And that's just racing. I mean, you guys are in comedy. Comedy is another, uh, another world mm-hmm. that's just ripe for the picking. Comedians are, are very, in, you know, are, a lot of them are open to this stuff. A lot of them are going to go the direction of, you know, what's going to get me on the, the corporate screen. But, you know, right. not everybody's going to be a, a huge comedian, but you can be a great comedian in your local city. You know, there's some great mm-hmm. local comedians around here in Boise that people love to see that nobody right. that you've never heard of. But they're very funny guys. And, you know, who knows how many of them are going to be open to this. And you start making... I call the Treasure Valley where I live the um, Northern California or California's version of Nazi South America. <laughs> all the dissidents are, are, yeah, all the dissidents are escaping here. So we're getting, and the locals here, they say we welcome the refugees, but we don't want the trash. And I think we've done pretty well of keeping the trash to one area. <laughs> I just had a yeah, couple bad, guys. Bad ideas. Yeah, I just had a couple guys move in across the street from me. Um, they're in their early thirties. They bought a house there. It's on an acre lot. So they're building like a, a, you know, a a garage with a granny unit that the younger brother's going to live in. And these guys are Californians and they're all they They love it here. You know, but you know, we've still got our problems there. I've got an, I've been at a a war with my HOA here for like two years. These, these people, they'll come to an HOA meeting and they'll talk like we're talking right now. You know, this is, just like we are before the meeting starts. And then the meeting starts and they want to go into your backyard and inspect the inside of the building that you're building. It's like, whoa, mm. what are we doing yeah. here, guys? Right. Yeah, all, all up in your shit. All invasive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, well, you know, America is is pretty divided on several different fault lines. And, you know, obviously geographically we are, but culturally, you know, what people want out of life, you know, what kind of life you want to live. And I'm just looking at videos and I have friends on both East and West coast and the major cities, LA, New York city. Um, cities are just fucking hell holes. Oh man. San Francisco was a nightmare when I lived there. Like, 
you know, it, 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 what's the answer to it? I mean, you, everyone debates ideas how to deal with it and what can be done, but it just seems like the problem's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. So I feel lucky living where I live and, and people, you know, we just, we have a culture here in New Hampshire of self, being self-sufficient, but always lending a hand to your neighbor, to your community, being involved, being, you know, a good person, being a good citizen, um, and I've just felt that my whole 25 years here living in New Hampshire. Yeah. And yeah, our winters are, are fucking brutal and you got to be pretty tough to endure these winters. But um, I just wouldn't want to live anywhere else, man. I yeah. feel safe here. Um, I don't feel like I have to look behind my shoulder and worry about, am I going to get mugged? Am I going to get robbed or beat up? And, um, you know, I just feel for other parts of the country who don't have that. You know, yeah. my heart goes out to them and I don't really have a clear answer for them, you know, other than just being able to, being a location with other like-minded people who value community, who value family, uh, who value work and, and integrity and honesty and, uh, you know, living a, a free life. So yeah, for me, man, New Hampshire, New Hampshire's it for me, man. Yeah. My neighbors have been great here. Like my immediate neighbors on, on both sides of me have been great. My, my neighbor on, on the one side, he's got a cattle ranch. It's right across the street mm. from my house and he's got tractors and, all kinds of equipment and anytime we get a lot of snow i wake up and my driveway is completely cleared of snow you know he wow. brings his tractor out and he clears yep. my driveway if i need a tree tree falling down i go knock on a door hey can you help me drop this tree anything that my neighbors have been so great and i kind of thought when i moved here i i wanted to get rid of my license plates real quick i was like i gotta get rid of these things i don't know how they're gonna <laughs> feel about me living here you know so uh, yeah. but they were great right off the bat like they they were so happy to help me out if you need anything it, it's been really great in that aspect the, all the complaining that i do is just that's what i do i complain about stuff but it's really been <laughs> A great place to live, and I think it's just going to continue to get better and better. I I think yeah. that we've got a a streak of liberty running through this state in a lot of ways, and I think it's going to be energizing. Um, we're going to be doing things with like Bitcoin mining. We've got uh, they just reclassified. Bitcoin mining with our local power company. So they're going to have their own rate on oh, okay. gas plants. So you can put a natural gas plant in 200 miles away from Boise and you can mine Bitcoin on this gas plant. And if we start needing the energy, we can just ship it down to Boise and you turn your Bitcoin mining off for a little while. It's, it's a great, great way for us to hopefully become energy independent. I'd love us to do, I always, I, I open the show with the future free state of greater Idaho, because that's my goal. I'd love to have a greater Idaho, you know, greater Idaho is a great, great idea. It, Idaho is a landlocked state, but greater Idaho has ports. And then we can be self-sufficient. We can have our own energy. We can have our own ports. We could be a, a literal free state that we can grow so much food in the state. I mean, we grow so much corn. We've got a, a sugar beets plant right up from my house. Uh, we grow a ton of mint, obviously potatoes. You know, mm -hmm. we can we can live. I mean, we've got so much water in this valley. I get free water. Well, not free. I pay for it, but I get irrigation water in my backyard the entire summer. Unlimited water. I pay a couple hundred bucks 
at the beginning of the season and I get all the water mm-hmm. I want. They're trying to shake us down every year. They, they try and turn it off sooner and, and leave it yeah. on, you know. But this is something that we're, we're working on. We were able to flush out a lot of the psychopaths from the school systems in our last election. <laughs> a yeah. lot of them. I, I was reading our local newspaper while I was at the doctor a couple months ago, and it was like they were just screaming about how crazy it was that we ousted all these people because our local newspaper is very liberal, just like any you know newspaper. And they were just mm-hmm. freaking out that we just ousted all of these people. So it, it's been pretty good. My mother has a, a son. Uh, he's 10. And he's not being homeschooled yet. They have the ability to homeschool him, and they think it's going to be inevitable at some point. Sure. But right now, he's still going to school, and they're not finding super crazy stuff that he's bringing home. It's been well, that's good. fairly normal. Yeah, the school system, man. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are teachers, um, you know, who are just getting out of it. They, they're just saying it's gone so bad. It's gotten so bad. The treatment of teachers, uh, you know, curriculum they're forced to teach, you know, parents being full psycho coming at uh, teachers on off hours and emailing them off on off hours. You know, both both sides, people are are going way far in both sides of that equation. You can't just blame teachers. You can't just blame parents. It's a mixture of everything. And, um, you know, it was a path that I was on. I, I went to uh, become a teacher, and it didn't work out. Thankfully, I'm glad it didn't. Oh, sure, yeah. Because um, I would, I'd be looking to get the hell out of there now if I had to do that job, and, and be in there and be paid so little, and, and just, yeah, a lot. Of, so yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, friends who have children, they're having that conversation. Depending on what age their kids are, uh, are we going to go homeschool? Um, I've heard of some women in a couple towns over who have like a homeschool collective. Mm, that's interesting. Where a bunch of moms and they band together with their kids and they're, they're all homeschooling together. I think sharing yeah. curriculum and helping each other out. That's interesting. So I think, I think more power to them. I, th- yeah. I think you're going to see a lot more of that too. Yeah. We have sure. something similar to that around here. It's like a co-op type of thing. That's what they'll put mm-hmm. my stepbrother into if he ends up having to go. Yeah. Well, you'd you be the driver's seat of what's going into your kid's brain. Yeah. I mean, that's a crucial time and that young age and you're so impressionable and that's going to, have a lot to do with the trajectory you go on in your life. The people think about how much time, I mean, I did public school K through 12. Yeah. Think about how much time you're spending with your teachers, man. These are the people that have a huge um, role in shaping who you are in young adulthood going into co- the college age. Yeah. And, I spent you know, half of my, I spent half of my high school years in my auto shop because my auto shop teacher was the only one that gave a shit about us. He was the yeah. one that he got everybody like he got more people into trade schools and mechanic schools or long term jobs. He got a guy working yeah. at NASCAR. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up racing motocross semi professionally for a while. Like he was a right. he huge a mentor to us. He had a major yeah. major impact on my life, and well, he changed lots of guys' lives more more people yeah, well, he, than probably any. He adult than shit. I've he ever didn't met. Treat you like a little child. No, we called you him know, by his he, first name. We never called right. him Mr. Lands. It was always Greg. That was. <laughs> I thought it that's was. That's throwback, man. That's awesome. Right. Uh, it was very cool, and and he had a, he just had a way of weeding out the good kids and the bad kids. If you didn't give a shit about your life or 
what you wanted to do. He didn't force you to do anything in that class. You could sit there and do whatever you want. We didn't have cell phones back then, but you could sit there yeah, and talk or whatever. He'd put movies on. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to learn, he was there to teach you. And I, right. I mean, I learned so much stuff in that class. I was taking motors apart when I was 16. Yeah. I learned how to do some hardcore welding. I, I welded a, a block back together, this block fell on the ground and a chunk of the the block where the the head and the um the head casket sits i had to brine weld this thing back on and i mean as a 16 year old kid having the ability to do something like that and learn from somebody who knows it's a very powerful thing and Mm -hmm. it gives you confidence like yeah that was the the biggest thing about motocross was it was a family sport you went out every weekend you you loaded up the bikes and we had a motor home and a trailer everybody had some sort of way of camping and you camped for the weekend with your family it was me my mom my dad my sister we parked next to other families and the the best thing about that was you're interacting with adults at a young age far more than my peers so i was by the time i was 16 i was very comfortable dealing with adults where my friends would show mm-hmm. up at my house and they'd be looking at their feet Right. And I think that was a huge thing that helped me. I I, I mean, I didn't do much with my life, essentially. I've had a real rough go at it. But it it led me to be able to do what I'm doing today, to be able to be comfortable speaking. I mean, to me, this is an extension of bartending. I bartended for 10 years. My, My crowd is on the other side of the screen now instead of sitting in front of me. So this is, these are things that enabled me to hopefully, you know, I, I'm probably going to have to go back to work in the next couple of years. But if I do things right, maybe in the next five, ten years, I can take off and be able to sit at home and do this and have some other type of random jobs and make enough money to where I can get by. And to be honest, like people ask me, oh, aren't you ready to go back to work? Hell no. Like, I love hanging out here. I love, like, I have a dog. We do whatever we want. I listen to podcasts i listen to books on tape all the time i love movies and and television so i'm perfectly fine sitting here and expending my energies in ways that i think could be beneficial to you know my oh, neighborhood yeah, your, to my state to the country yeah, you're living in my the life you want to live exactly exactly and we all should be able to do that to the the fullest of our abilities and uh you know pursue our passions and do deep research and enjoy silly movies. You know, it's, it's, I, um, sometimes I have to unplug from this shit, like, like watching predator or watching prey or just some mindless TV every now and then, you know, or a sports game. I I enjoyed sports so much more as a child because it is, is for children. It's just like any form of entertainment and bread and circus that the empire has for us. But, um, you know, if I'm intentional about unplugging and just putting a ball game on or a hockey game, I grew up playing hockey. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a very enjoyable it's a very enjoyable few hours. And I think a lot of people, you know, who are liberty minded or in this movement, we are black pill on a lot of shit and, and you can get down about it. And yeah, it can it can wear you down and make you sad and bum you out. But you have to remember, and my favorite comedian, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of him, Tim Dillon. Oh, I love Tim Dillon. I saw him. Right. So I saw him a while back. He's great. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. so I've seen him probably four times. I've met him. I've been a huge fan for years. And he is, and he just had an awesome rant on Rogan the I other night. It. It, it just it learned Incredible. exactly how I feel, man. We have to pause and 
for all the problems we have, man, America is a fucking awesome place. It's, you know, it's the best. It's, it's, it, when you stack it up against some of the countries they have out there and, and the shit that's going on, and you look at what, what we are able to do here and, and, and what this thing was founded upon, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I, I, I wish everyone in the world could have it. I know it's not one size fits all, and I don't want to ram it down their throats yeah. with a barrel of a gun and bombs. You know, the people have to want it and they want to do it in those countries. And, and suffer for it and die for it and sacrifice for it. Yep. Like what happened here in this country. And I don't take that for granted at all, not not for a minute. So I am really appreciative of this. And we do get to do cool things like this. And, and that's another cool thing about technology. Look, we, we are apprehensive about many aspects of technology yep. as we should be, because a lot of that shit is getting really fucking scary. But on the other hand, this is my first time ever meeting you and talking to you. You're out in Idaho. I'm here in New Hampshire. And then incredible, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people might hear this and see this. And uh, that might open the door for some other people to look into this stuff. So yeah. you have to, uh, it's always a struggle for balance uh, between the good and the bad and the positive and the negative. So yeah. um, I try to stay opt optimistic, but be pragmatic about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was a lineman. I mean, the North American power grid is the biggest machine ever built. It's just incredible what we've been able to do. And, and it's also terrifying what they're trying to do to it. And I, I hope that we're able to stop this crazy push for green energy. It's never going to work. But, uh, I mean, I think a lot of times we discount the good things that technology is going to do. And, yeah. I mean... This is why I love science fiction. I'm always listening to a science fiction book because I feel like it helps me get out of the daily um, grind of politics and looking at everything mm -hmm. and, and analyzing everything. I feel like it allows me to think on a longer scale. What's technology going to be like 10, 20 years from now? I mean, I, I'm a big no agenda listener. They've been going for 15 years. Could I do this for 15 years? What would this show look like 15 <laughs> years from now? You know what I mean? What's the technology going to look like at that point? Are we all going to be just VR in a room and be, be able to just have some crazy together? Yeah. I mean, I, I love looking at, at new technology and what it's going to allow and yeah, I, I think well, it's... I mean, also, too, I mean, Hollyweird and all the DARPA, they, they slow drip that out to us. Oh, yeah. They, they, show what, they show us what's coming in their movies and call it fiction. And then uh, there it is, five, ten years later, and they've softened us and made us okay with it and less apprehensive about, oh, hey, I, I saw that in a movie where yeah. they chip everybody and you pay for everything by scanning your wrists and yeah. a retinal scan. And, and I don't have a problem with that. I saw it in a movie with Tom Cruise. That's <laughs> if Tom Cruise is doing it, I'll do it, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like anything. It's, it's pros and cons. And then you do a 180 and you come back to the Unabomber and you're like, Jesus Christ, Kaczynski, you crazy fuck. You were right about so many <laughs> things. Right about Why everything. you have to kill those people? You lost me when you killed the people. You shouldn't have killed the people. <laughs> because what you're saying is so dead on about technology and how it's sucking the, the humanity out of humans and our souls out of us and fusing us with machines and turning us into fucking cyborgs. Yeah. Um, hey, look at me. Yeah, we, oh, shit. 
Hey man, I, I would go more with Darth Vader. I, uh, that's why I, I decided to go black. Yeah, I didn't want to go with the. Darth I didn't want to try and make it look all fake. Like they, they make like gloves it. for these things. Well, they'll match the skin on my hand. They'll put hair on it, freckles, even pimples sure. if you want. But I was like, you know, what? we're gonna go. We're gonna go black. I call it the the Fistatron Five Thousand because it's hard black and it identifies as a BBC. Um. <laughs> So how many how many years have you been? I mean, how, if you don't mind me asking, how long ago did that accident happen to you? Uh, it was 2015, so seven years ago now. It was uh, I was okay. working on power working lines. On a line? Yeah, I was working okay. on a line. I climb up the pole, and I essentially don't remember anything after belting in. I made some sort of contact, and I woke up staring at the sky, and I I thought I had fallen like off the pole. So I start trying to push myself up off the ground, but I can't move. And then a couple seconds later, the pain hit. And it was just like nothing you can even imagine. My whole body was on fire. My hands were burned really bad. Like this arm was burned really bad too. I almost lost both of them. I came just very, very close to losing both of them. And I I spent um, three months in a burn unit. It was wild. Like... I nobody knows if I died or not or if it just turned my brain off but it was just the weirdest sensation where I feel like I went somewhere but the the information has just been gone like somebody deleted a file from my brain and mm. I know that the or like the file is still there but the information from the file is gone so I know like the name of the file accident is there yeah. but all the information from inside that file is gone and it feels like it was deleted not like it was lost which is very strange to say and I don't really know how to describe like define that or what that means i've talked to buddhists and christians and everybody's got a different answer you know even sure. sam harris sam harris and tell you oh, your brain turned off and you know good hey, old sam you harris know what hap- he cares you know what about you your, your brain turned off and went into joe biden's basement with children That's what <laughs> and I, I don't even care if hunter had child prostitutes smoking crack in his basement we have to stop trump we got to stop. Um, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to him? To Trump? To Trump? Anything? You, yeah. you think this is just a big... I, I kind of think that it's uh, the opening, you know, like the season opener of Trump, the Trump show. I kind of think yeah, he, he might have had a next, little bit of a setup going on. The next the next season, Nick, of Trump the president is going to be unlike anyone you've ever seen before, okay? It's going to be unbelievable. We started it with the fake witch hunt raid at Mar-a-Lago. They took all my files. They took my coupons from Moscow, from the McDonald's Moscow. I had a free Big Mac voucher for Putin, and they took that from me, and I'm going to get it back. I'm very angry about it, Nick. I'm very angry. Merrick Garland's a loser. He's low energy. He looks like a retarded Mr. Potato Head who's been put back wrongly, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I don't know what to make of that. Um, they, they don't want him to be able to run again. But at the same time, Epstein compromised all those people. Yeah. The Clintons, Trump, uh, Bill Richardson, you know, uh, garden variety Democrats. Um, the, it's what we see is theater. It's just it's well scripted and well yeah. um, placed theater. And. I don't really think anything serious is going to happen to Trump. I think he's going to run again. I, 
I think he has a, I think he has a good shot of winning again, man. At least winning the Republican nomination. Yeah. And depending what the Democrats do with with their Kabuki theater, if they fucking put Brandon out to pasture, and uh, maybe run Buttigieg or Newsom, I don't think they could, could run Kamala Harris. I just think they're oh. going to mitigate the damage that she can do in the next two years, and then push her aside and prop up like a Newsom or a Buttigieg type thing. What do you um, think about McConaughey? I thought when they brought him in after the Uvalde thing and spoke at the White House, I thought they might be they might be grooming him in private. Maybe they've got some plans for him. It could be. I mean, they probably wanted to see him run for something first in Texas yeah. and, and, and try out a statewide race and see how that would track. Um, but I, I think deep down, McConaughey is probably very comfortable and very happy with his life right now. Probably. So why would he want to open himself up to a campaign, drag his family through that, uh, you know, put a pause on his, his awesome film and TV career? I mean, True Detective is one of the greatest. True Detective season one is one of the greatest series of all time. I agree. I'll put that up against any show and argue with anyone about that. It's right there with The um, Wire. Yeah, hey, the, the the wire is good too, man. The wires, not yeah. the one, not the wire that you were on, Nick, but the wire of the show in Baltimore. That's a good one. We like that wire, not the wire that almost killed you. We don't like that wire. That's an evil wire. Okay, that wire is Hillary Clinton. Quite frankly, she it was Hillary Clinton that day. Yeah, tried to kill you, Maxine. Failed. She failed. That wire failed. Um, yeah, the wire is a good show. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I'd like to see. Trump run again just for the chaos. The 2016 oh, yeah. GOP primary prim, uh, t- primary, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. He just went up there and slaughtered 15 seasoned, capable, well-funded politicians one by one, just destroyed them. Yeah. And when he became inevitable, you saw these guys get in line. You saw Christie drop out and endorse him. Yeah. Chris Christie's face when he had to endorse Donald Trump on CNN is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And you got Trump up there. Now that I'm winning, I'm starting to win primaries. We have people calling me like you wouldn't believe. I'm not going to name names. We got people calling who want to endorse like you wouldn't believe. Okay. And it was it was it was crazy, dude. And for anyone to say they didn't enjoy him humiliating both the Bushes and the Clintons in the same campaign cycle. You're a liar if you're saying you didn't enjoy that. Yeah. That was so satisfying. It was it was so amazing to see him just rub Jeb Bush's face and shit during those debates. He was like, the World Trade Center came down during your brother's reign. That's not safe, okay? That's not keeping us safe, all right? And it took Jeb Bush, Nick, it took him five days to come up with his opinion for the Iraq War. Oh, it was a mistake. Oh, we shouldn't have gone in. Oh, it was a bad idea. It took him five days for his people to tell him what he should say. Now, you know, I liked Trump's anti-war instincts, and what he was going on, but when he got in there, man, he didn't—he didn't really alter course like we wanted him to. I always lose but, it when people do that. Oh, he didn't start any new wars. And I, I was in recovery before I got hurt, and I remember I had like a you know a recovery date coming up or something like that. And one of the the old hard nosed guys in there, he's like, "Hey, don't make a big deal out of this shit. People shouldn't be congratulating you for something you should already be doing." I was like, "Oh, yeah." That, that kind of makes a whole lot of sense. You know, you shouldn't be starting at wars anyways. Like, that should be the right. standard. We shouldn't be yeah. congratulating you for something you <laughs> oh, should be doing. You know, it's like, know. oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. You had a... Yeah, you hear, you hear that talking point. No, he maintained Empire. He maintained the drone program. Yeah. Um, he, he get Guantanamo Bay did not close, to my knowledge. Um, you got yeah, a lot of kids running around Yemen going. looking like me, but they don't have a nice hand like this. 
I can I can tell <laughs> yeah. you without a lot of medication, so true, I've got a, a spinal cord stimulator that shoots energy down my hand, and I'm still in a ton of pain all the time. I can't imagine what it's like to grow right. up with a no foot or no arm in a place where they don't even have doctors. I mean, Syria. you're gonna or yeah. Yemen or Pakistan. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had my stuff done at the Mayo Clinic. The best doctors in, in the, the world, world did that. Yeah. And these guys might have a witch doctor of sorts, you oh, know? They, yeah. They Who knows? Sprinkle some, sprinkle some sand yeah. on it and say good luck. Yeah. Uh, after they cut it yeah. off on the, on the chopping block, they throw some sawdust on it and send you on your way. <laughs> yep. And then it's the same cho- chopping block where they cut up the goats for dinner. Okay. It's like, <laughs> let's cut Muhammad's arm off and then let's have some goats. Let's get some goats. No, it, it, dude, you know, and that's one of the things I think about every day, man. I think about the people around the world that are foreign policy, who have suffered under our foreign policy, the enemies we've created. Ron Paul talked about blowback. You know, if, if you totally buy the 9-11 story, uh, it was done because of blowback. We yeah. fucked with those countries. We fucked with those people for so many years. We murdered so many of their children and their people, and we sanctioned them, and we bombed them, and we overthrew their governments. What, what, what do we think is going to happen? You know, it, it, it's amazing something bigger than 9-11 didn't happen and hasn't happened since. It's incredible. You know? Yeah. So I mean, we, need, we, need to t- we need to take stock of it, man, and, and follow what Scott Horton says. Enough already. Time to end the war on terror. Absolutely. So, those, are, those are the vibes we're going to keep putting out there. Yep. Right on, Eric. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. It's been a great time. Yeah. I just noticed a couple minutes ago, I've been off-center the entire time. I've had, <laughs> I'm using this camera in a new way today, and typically I sit like this and I'm in frame, and this camera yeah. doesn't mean anything, the one that I'm looking at on the screen. And a couple minutes ago, I just looked at it and went, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is the camera view that's going to be the entire show, and I just <laughs> lost it in my mind. So I <laughs> Well, Governor Ventura thinks you look just fine. Excellent. You pretty as you are, you're, you're straight as an arrow. Even if you ain't straight, as my platoon leader said, you ain't got to be straight to shoot straight. <laughs> right on. That. Well, with that, Eric, yeah. thanks again. Everybody, thank you for watching and listening. This has been Too Hard for the Radio. Have a good night.